something that um, a lot of um, uh, people don't recognize in a sense of what is going on in regards to God's will. Um, often when we think about God's will, the first thing we think about is us. And we think about, okay, I have to accomplish something and, um, for God's will. I have to be in God's will. What do I need to be doing in regards to God's will? So we're going to look at uh, God's will, and then we're also going to look at what is God's will uh, for your life. And, um, and so we'll talk about that. But first of all, we have to understand um, God's will. Number one um, in our notes, I don't want to put our notes down because I know we have a lot of people come in afterwards, but number one in our notes, the purpose of God's will is to bring glory to his holy name. We often think that the purpose of God's will is for us to accomplish something great um, for God, but the foundational piece of God's will is I'm going to bring glory to my holy name. We are not God's first love. God's first love is what? It's rooted in the value of his holy name. If we were God's first love, um, everything, would, everything would crumble. And the reason why everything would crumble is because we don't carry strength. We don't carry holiness. We don't carry beauty. We don't carry creating power. We don't carry anything. In fact, if you look at our name, our name isn't worth a hill of beans because it has no saving power whatsoever. It has no transforming power whatsoever. If I come up here for the purpose of exalting my name, something is completely off um, because nothing, nothing will happen. So when you start talking about the will of God, the encouragement is to focus on, well, what's its purpose? The purpose is that God has a first love. And we don't like to say this, and it's almost even resistance. But God has a first love, and it's not us. That's the way it is. God has a first love, and you know what his first love is? His first love is rooted in the value and the beauty of his holy, of his holy name. So as God is working with people and through people, what's he doing? Number one, the purpose of God's will is to bring glory to his holy name. What he is doing is he is proclaiming his name through us so that the world will see him. Matthew 6, 9 through 10 says this, Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It directs automatically points right to God. 1 Samuel 22, 20, uh, 12, 22 says, For the Lord will not abandon his people. Why will not abandon, God abandon his people? Because he loves us so much. Is that correct? Well, according to this passage, because he does love us, and the love is intense, and the love is great. But according to this passage, he will not abandon his people on a, of account of his great name. Isaiah 63, 12, 14, the Spirit of the Lord gave him rest, so you led your people to make for yourself a glorious name. Joshua 7, 8 through 10, for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it, and they will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name if we are cut off? See what God is doing? He's proclaiming his beautiful name, what? to the heavens. He's proclaiming his beautiful name to us. That's what the will of God is. That's what his focus is. Isaiah 48, 9. Oh, I'm sorry, Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, 20. But I had concern for my holy name. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name. Isaiah 48, 9. For the sake of my name, I delay my wrath. Psalms 25, for your sake, for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquities. Psalm 79, 9, help me, help us, O God, our salvation, for the glory of your name, and deliver us and forgive us of our sins for the sake of your name. Jeremiah 14, 7, although our iniquities testify against us, O Lord, act for the sake of your name. What is the name? It is who God is, it is his character. This is who I am, and this is what I am displaying. See, what happens when God created the world, we're seeing, how do I say this? The universe is seeing a brand new God. <laughs> what I mean by seeing a new God is that they've seen, they're seeing a God that they have never seen before. 
Think about it from the angels' perspective. The angels, what do they do? They just bow down in their worship. They have never sinned whatsoever. They serve like crazy, and they just worship and worship and worship and worship and worship at the beauty and the majesty of God. And then all of a sudden you see Lucifer, and what Lucifer does is get kicked out of heaven because of what? Because of sin. And as he's kicked, down to he kicked out of heaven, sent down to earth, he then inflicts sin on us, implants sin in us because we fell for his lie. And as he fell for his lie, God had to do something. Why? Because his holy name was all of a sudden just trashed. I just say ugly, disgusted. I'm God, all powerful. And I see my name being trashed through Lucifer. And now I'm seeing my name being trashed through who? People, mankind, men, women, as we live in this nature of sin. So when we see God's holy name trashed, what would be the expectation that you'd probably think that would happen to, um, um, that would happen to anybody who trashed God's holy name? Well, annihilation. Don't you think that? Annihilation. In fact, you can even think about, well, what did I do with the demons when they trashed my holy name? You know, I, I'm not giving them a savior. I, I'm throwing them away. What do you think was in Lucifer's mind when he's tempted Adam and Eve? If I can get them to sin against God the same way that I sinned against God, God will throw them away as well. So the expectation is that God is going to throw anybody away and his wrath is going to annihilate anybody that dishonors, which sin is, dishonors his holy name. But all of a sudden you see something else take place. <laughs> he does what? He sends a Savior to go to a cross. And now think about this. as he sending a Savior to go across? Do you think about all the the demons and think about all the angels and think about all the, 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 the power of the heavenly beings that are up there looking and observing this. They're seeing something they've never seen before from God. They have looked at him as the most majestic, wonderful, but all of a sudden love is starting to get a definition. All of a sudden grace. They've never seen grace. God's never needed to give grace before. Why? Because no one's ever, exalt, uh, no one's ever dishonored his holy name. But all of a sudden God, a brand new a God that they've never even seen before starts to come out. And when he starts to come out, you see grace, you see mercy, you see love for a sinner, you see God sacrificing. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's just repulsive to other religions, that God would sacrifice. God doesn't sacrifice. You dishonor your name, he kills you. But all of a sudden, the Bible is speaking about a God who literally went to a cross. This is a brand new revelation of who God is, a brand new thing that no, no one's has ever seen before. And as we look at what is being done, all of a sudden we see the name be exalted in a way that we had never expected to be exalted. I lay down my life, praise the name of God. See, it's, 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 it's different. Rather than being this majestic holiness and, and, and this, this all-powerful, which we are always going to consistently lay down and worship, we see that then move to a cross and we see humility. It's like, oh my goodness, what is taking place, God? How could you be humble? How could you go to a cross? How could you die? Well, the reason why that is being done is because it's an exaltation of God's holy name, brand new exaltation of God's holy name, which is different than anybody has ever seen before. So number three, when you see Jesus come, what is Jesus talking about? After Christ ascended, his name, oh, I'm sorry, not, I'm, not, I'm not on that one too. Everything Jesus did was to glorify the name of the Father. So all of a sudden we see a, a man who is on earth, been conceived by the Holy Spirit, who is God, made man. Again, we'll talk about the Trinity. Yes, I know it's over our heads. It's hard to grasp. It's hard to understand, but that's all right. I don't want a God that I can understand. I want a God that is truth, and that's what it is. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see this man who came, who is God, walked on earth, and lived an absolutely perfect life, but yet was restricted by all the restrictions that man has given to us. But as he's there, there's a will that he is going to have done. And what is that will of Jesus specifically? Number one is make sure that I give Father his holy name, respect, honor. I will always take my life and I will point it directly to who it? To God's, to God's name. John 17, 26, I have made your name known to them. In other words, Jesus came to do what? 
to make God the Father's name known. Look at God the Father. I'm not acting on my own. Look at God the Father. John 17, I have man, uh, manifested your name to men. John 5:43, I have come in my Father's name. John 10, 25, the works that I do in my Father's name. Everything I do, I'm doing it to glorify that holy name, which is the majestic Father, which is God. John 12, 27, now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. This is inside of Gethsemane. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Why? Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it, and I'll glorify it again. I have glorified it in the Old Testament. And guess what, Jesus? Through you, being God, I'm going to glorify it all of a sudden again. You see this will that is coming out? First John 2, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. And then Revelation 2, 3, and you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. It's all about what? The Father's name. That's what Jesus was there for. So if you ask, well, what, what was God's will? Or what was Jesus' will? You know, Jesus will just consistently point you to the Father and say, I'm doing it all for my Father's name. Him and I, being one who is God, is on a mission for what? My name's sake, his name's sake. Number three, after Christ ascended, his name was then glorified as well. I've never understood why um, Jesus is a good guy <laughs> to so many different religions. It, it's, it's never... It's never made, made any sense. Um, in other words, you know, um, Islam, you know, they'll take Jesus as a good prophet. They'll take him as a, a, a good teacher. The Jews will even say that Jesus, you know, pieces of the Jews will even say that, you know, yeah, Jesus was, you know, a rabbi. He was a, a, a teacher that came. Many religions do not deny Jesus. They just put him in a different box rather than being, rather than being God. Well, what takes place is that how can he not be God, because what was transferred from the Father's name, which he consistently pointed to the Father, is now coming on him. It's coming on him. Acts 3, 6 says, in the name of Jesus, the Nazarene stood up and walked. See, Jesus walked through earth, and after he walked through earth, he always pointed to the Father, and then all of a sudden he leaves, and then the Holy Spirit comes to do what? Testify about Jesus. So now the Holy Spirit is now pointing to Jesus, and then if you talk to Jesus, Jesus is pointing to the Father, and the triune God is at a massive, effective work that's across the world, and it's all to the glory of that beautiful name. Acts 3.16, and on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus. This is just in the passages of Acts. I did not pull the passages elsewhere. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus, Acts 8, 16, baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 9, 16, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Speaking of Jesus. Acts 9, 27, spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. Baptize in the name of Jesus, which would be Acts 18, 48. Acts 15, 26, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 16, I commanded you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 19, 17, all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 21, 13, die in Jerusalem for the name of Jesus Christ. Well, hold on a second. The whole Testament is all about God's holy name, and then there's almost this, this shift that takes place. Well, it's all now in the name of Jesus. Philippians 2, 9 says, for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, and those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. God has a first love. His first love is rooted in the value of his holy name, which is his character, which is his being which is revealed to us through God coming as a man, going to the cross and putting all of our sin upon his shoulder and dying in our stead 
then going to the grave, raising again. The Holy Spirit is then sent to us to do what? Give honor and glory to Jesus' name and the Father's name. Because what they do is they testify about each other in the, across, the, across the Trinity lines. Not lines, but across the Trinity. So that's the basis of God's will. So when you talk about the basis of God's will, we consistently move to us. You know, okay, God's will is to exalt the power and beauty of his holy name. Now I ask the question, what's God's will in your life? Because that's a concept of, of God's will. What is God's will in your life? Number one, is God's will that you give yourself away for the sake of his name? It's God's will for you to give yourself away for the sake of his name. In other words, don't look at me. Look specifically at him. The reason for my existence would to proclaim this name that saves. Because if I proclaim my name, remember, it doesn't save. But the reason for my existence is to proclaim this name that saves. The reason for my behavior, the reason for my actions, the reason for everything that I do is for the purpose to proclaim this name. Number two, God's will is not to get us from point A to point B the quickest and easiest way and smoothest, oh, I'm sorry, the quickest and easiest and smoothest way possible, but to make you strong enough to travel from point A to point B. When we look at God's will, we say, well, okay, if God has a will for me, he wants to get me from this point all of a sudden to this point. Well, that's, if God's working in my life, he's not gonna try to get you from this point to this point. What's he going to do? He's gonna make you strong enough to be able to handle this point. That is what he's gonna do. I'm gonna make you strong enough to be able to handle to this point. If you look at every single um, person that had an effect on um, God's name in the Bible, all the way from Moses to Elijah uh, to Paul the Apostle, all the way through all the characters that are in the Bible, um, David um, as well, um, there is a, a process that God points to, that, that God does with them, if you've ever noticed the consistencies that take place. And uh, the process is about the same, but I'll just give you Moses' process. Moses' process is the first 40 years of his life. He, was, you know, he lived to 120 years old, so you can break it up into 40 years, 40 years, and 40 years. The 40, first 40 years of his life, um, what did he do? He was being trained to be the most powerful person in the world. He is being trained to make his name absolutely great. He's being trained to make his name proclaimed to the entire world that when you look at Moses, it would be like, oh my goodness, he has it put together. That's what the first 40 years has looked like. Now, if you look at Moses, he was literally being trained to do what? <laughs> to take the people out of Egypt. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, the guy had an army, the guy had the education, the guy had the position, the guy had the power, he had absolutely everything that you would think that God wanted in a man, is that correct? Yeah, you would think that God has, he's in a position to have everything he wanted, but instead what happens is that he just stepped forward and he, and he kills somebody who's beaten on a Hebrew, and all of a sudden fear just completely takes, takes over, and then he runs to the desert out of fear. And then for the next 40 years, what happens? God spends 40 years taking his name away. In other words, God spends 40 years of Moses being a nobody. The first 40 years, he was a son. The next 40 years, he is a what? A nobody. And then the last 40 years, what is he? <laughs> he is displaying to the world what God would do through a nobody. Because what God wants to do through a nobody is exalt his name, not Moses' name. You see, he took Moses' name away in that process because he does not want Moses' name exalted. He wants his name exalted. So you look at the entire story of Moses, it's like Moses is not somebody we look to and aspire to be. In fact, what we do is we look to Moses and see how God responded to him and see God working inside of him and saying the same God that worked in Moses can do what? work inside of me, if it is my focus. So he's not trying to get you to point A to point B. He's trying to get you to be able to handle point B, and the only way you can handle point B is to literally be conquered. Number three, I'm kind of ahead of my notes. 
Letter A, or number three, a person must be conquered before they can even be used. When you look at the Mount of Transfiguration, um, you see what? Moses, you see Elijah, and then you see Jesus, and then you see the Father show up, and the audible voice is spoken as they're glowing, and you have the three disciples that are looking them and observing them, and what does the God the Father say? This is my son who I am well pleased. He doesn't point to Jesus. Shouldn't Moses, Moses be a little ticked off? Like, I was here before Jesus. Shouldn't Elijah be a little ticked off? I mean, you see how much, how much Elijah did? He should be angry, but he, he wasn't angry when the father said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. What's the statement that he's making? He's saying, my name is exalted. Names are not. Yes, they're the greatest figures in the world in regards to our faith, but still, it was the, the purpose was to exalt my holy name. And these two individuals were what? Were conquered. And since they were conquered, they were then what? Used. And what I mean by conquered? The words pride was taken away. It's annihilated. All of a sudden, Moses doesn't exist for his name anymore. He exists for God's name, and that's it. Because he wanted the world to see God's name, and that was it. John 6, 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. John 7, 16, 18 says, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but is he who sent me. If anyone wants to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who speaks the glory of the one who sent him is true. Again, I'm speaking for God. You're not speaking for yourself. Now, it is our disease and built inside of our nature. I'm going to go through these passages fast. I'm not even going to read these passages, but you can say, um, who delivered the people out of Egypt? And um, what's the name that comes up? It's often Moses, correct? But Moses didn't deliver the people out of Egypt. In fact, who delivered? According to the Bible, who delivered the people out of Egypt? Here's a passage of the deliverance that takes place, and I'm not going to read it all. But then the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will. Who's I? God. God is going to take all the credit for delivering the people out. Remember how he did it, of course. Well, this is a statement that he is doing it, and we should give him all the glory for what was done, and Moses none of the glory. I will, I am, I appeared, I did not, I also established, I have, I have, I am, I will, I will, I will, I will, I am, I will, I will, I will, I am. <laughs> Who delivered the people out of Egypt? God said, <laughs> I did it. I did it all. And he even did it through the miracles that Moses did. It was not there. What happens is that Moses says, I'm going to lay down my name and sacrifice my pride and be devoted for the glory of that name. And in the process, that name is then proclaimed. So even as Moses is writing this, he doesn't even put himself as somebody who delivered him out. Joshua does the same way. This is God speaking. God took. God gave. God gave. God sent. God plagued. God brought. God brought. God did. God brought. I gave, God gave, God destroyed, God was not willing, God delivered, God gave. What he's doing, he's given the power to the glory of his holy name as somebody is working. I sent, I gave, it, consistent, it consistently goes. See, God is rooted in the power and the beauty of his holy name, not in the power of individuals that I will take an individual and I will make that person great that doesn't do the world any good. Taking an individual and making that person great does not do the world any good. But if an individual says, I am going to be conquered, beat up, and say it's not by my name, but God's name be glorified, what's going to happen? The world is going to change. Why? Because people don't see individuals, people start seeing who? They start seeing what's driving the individuals, which is God. So when you think of God's will, think of, well, what's my job? Not to get to point A to point B but it's to literally be conquered so God's name can then be proclaimed in my life. And then you can point to that direction. Number four, God's name will never be exalted in us if we exist to exalt our own name. Remember what God's will? God's will for me is to exalt his name, but there is a temptation 
that consistently arises in every single one of us. And in, in, in that process, what's taking place is I gotta make my name more powerful than his, and again, if my name's more powerful than his, nobody sees, nobody sees God. It really happens in regards to spiritual matters. Um, it's very tempting, and we see pastors do it consistently, and in, even in my mind, I have to think of that consistently. I have to a fight against it. Um, and what I mean by fight against it is that um, I cannot be defensive if somebody makes uh, a statement and say, oh, you know, that was just a lousy sermon. Because the second I'm defensive, do you know what I'm doing? I'm trying to protect my name. <laughs> I'm trying to say, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Let me, you know, where, where do you get your valuation on, where do you get your valuation on that? Or if somebody even does not like me, and it's like, well, you, you're, you're all messed up because you, because you don't like me. See, what happens is that inside of us internally are literally living for our holy name and when these things start to come up, we can see whether we're living for our name or not. There has to be a strength, there has to be a security that God is the one that drives, that God is the one that moves, that God is the one that, that lives through. Number five, God giving us his will is only 50% of the process. God making us strong enough to handle his will is the other 50% um, of the process. Reason why bring this up is, is because um, we live in a crazy world. And as we live in a crazy world, the question will be, what should we do in this crazy world? What should we do in this crazy world? What should we conquer? What should we kill? What should we destroy? What should we um, um, attack? Um, how should we even function in our mind as we're living in the crazy world? What is God's will for me in this crazy world? What is God's will for you in this crazy world? What is God's will for the church in this crazy world that we live in? When we see the crazy world, there's often a reaction that comes where? To us. I've got to make a difference. I've got to make something take place. I've got to make something happen. But what should the reaction be? The reaction should be, I've got to exalt God's name in this crazy world. God, tell me what to do. God, tell me what to do. Because only 50% is doing God's will. The other 50% is being destroyed enough so people see God working in you in the process of making an impact in, in, this, in this world. You know, in the end times, we see that uh, difficult times are going to take place extreme amount of, of difficulty is going to take place. And uh, the difficulty is going to be um, um, a war that we're not going to like, um, a war that we're going to hate. And you know what we're going to do is we're going to react. We're going to react to it. And uh, what I mean, a war that we don't like, a war that we're going to hate, I, I'm just going to read, you know, past. I'm sorry you don't have this in your notes. I actually had it before, and I, I took it out. I shouldn't have taken it out. But Second Timothy says this, but realize this, Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5. So I just want to give you guys that address. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of yourself, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient, two parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutals, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of self, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, its power. avoid such men in these. Uh, the last days, are they upon us? I don't know if they're upon us, but I'll tell you that they're going to be tough. They're going to be extremely tough. And what I mean by a, a war that we don't like, children are going to be out of control, haters of good, haters of self. And, 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 and the war is going to be with, um, in the last days, is going to be with us and our children. I mean, that's, 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 what's, that's what's going to take place. Matthew 24 says, You will be hearing wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For the nation will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes, but all these things, 
are merely the beginning of birth pains, then they will deliver you for tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all the nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and be misled because lawlessness is increased. Most people, love will, love will grow cold, but the one who endures the end will be saved. Now he, so if you, if you look at all the things that are gonna take place, the war is going to be inside. And as the war is going to be inside, even inside of this world, what, what do we do? Where, do? where do we go? Every step that we do, every step that we go has to have one large focus. What am I gonna do for the power of God's holy name? And what needs to be done so that name is proclaimed, is seen, because if God is gonna save the world, his name is gonna be there. Because if people are gonna be saved inside the tribulation, which they will be saved inside the tribulation, they're not gonna be saved for anything that we do, anything that we accomplish. They're gonna be saved because they see a God that's specifically living in us. So when you look at these last days and when you look at this world that we live in, um, the fruits of the spirits is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Where do I go? What do I do? God is calling you to be a rock to a world that is lost. And the reason why we are called to be a rock to the world that is lost because when we stand upon a rock when the whole world falls apart, they don't see you, they then see him. 2 Timothy 3.10 says, Now you followed my teaching. Conduct purpose, faith, patience, and love, perseverance, persecutions, and suffering, such as happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord has rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, but evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving from being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned it, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ, all scriptures inspired by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, and for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that man of God may be adequate, equipped for every single good work in this crazy, crazy world that we live in. So just in closing, before we even have questions that come up, what do we live for? We live specifically for God's holy name, and everything that we do, everything that is accomplished, everything that is done, is to do what? for the purpose of giving God all the glory, all the recognition, everything that's noticed. This is for you, God. It's not specifically for me. So we'll open up for questions. Anybody have any questions? All right. Thank you. Okay. What are some practical ways we can dethrone ourselves and recognize God's glory for the purpose of reflecting it? Some practical ways, I would say some driving words would be um, the practical ways. And uh, that would be a driving word of, of humility. Am I somebody that is gonna be a humble person? Am I somebody that is gonna be a dependent person would be another word. Is it when uh, our children are looking at us, they wanna stand on a, a rock and, um, and what is that rock? It's often, well, I'm the rock. Why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm dad. But then all of a sudden, the conversations that are coming out to our children that we should have is, I'm not a rock. I'm dependent on the rock. And, and that rock doesn't move. And as I'm being a father, I'm going to be a man that is completely reliant rather than a man who is powerful um, and strong. So I'd look at the words humility. I'd look at the words dependable, um, dependability. I'd look at the word sacrifice. What does the word sacrifice do? The word sacrifice says, I live so you will live, not so I will live. So what happens is that me living so that person lives says I already have life. Where do I have life? I have life in Jesus Christ. Therefore, I'm gonna do the same thing he did for me. I'm going to die so you can live. And that would be the, the statement, sacrifice. The life would come out of, I'm gonna make a statement that I can give you life because I have life. I'm gonna make a statement that I'm not gonna be offended when I should be offended. I'm not gonna be angry when I have the right to be angry. I'm not gonna be fearful when I have the right to be fearful because we live in a fearful world. But those statements and those words 
are inside of us that, um, that are being proclaimed. And so when you live in a world and there's fear that completely encompasses it, it says that God is not there. <laughs> it, um, he's not there. Why? Because I live in this world that is sinking and I sink with it. That's what fear is. I sink with it. But if you're living in a world that is sinking, but God is there, you can still have a smile on your face. So I would use the practical word, um, the practical advice would be look at the words of scripture and live specifically by those words and make sure those words are proclaimed and even talked about. You know, as I say a lot, fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All these words are coming out of us, but why are they coming out of us? Because we're standing on, on something. So um, in my mind, you know, as, as leading the church, yes, the world is a little crazy right now. Um, but in my mind, it's like, well, what do we want to look like if a visitor walks through the door? What do they want to see, you know, when they, when they walk in the door? Well, what we want them to see is we want unity written all over the walls. Why? Because Christ came to unify us as one body to function as one body. We want love. We want peace. We want all these things to be written on the walls because if somebody comes here, which people do, they come here because they don't have peace. It's not because they want Jesus. It's because they don't have peace and they're just wondering if we have the answer. And so they come here to look and see if we have the answer. And if we're like, have you seen the world out there? It's absolutely crazy. What we need to do is we need to, you know, all of a sudden what's taking place is we're getting everybody worked up. And as we're getting everybody worked up, what's happening? Oh my goodness, there's no peace in this room. <laughs> and, and what I'm starving for is peace. That's what, what, how people think. And um, so that would be the practical ways is hang on to those words in scripture and live specifically by those words. So be the most practical practical way to do it. Thank you. I have another one. All um, right. Good. I expected <laughs> another one. That's good. Okay, Keep, yeah. I'm glad always, you write them down. Follow-up question. Um, yeah. So what are some common things, tendencies, or maybe things we think about that prevent us from surrendering to God's glory or maybe blind us from seeing it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, we... Um, Ask the question again, because I'm, I'm okay. thinking of the, I want to make a, I don't, I almost went in the direction. I'm like, well, does that apply? So here, okay. ask the question one more time. So what are some common things, tendencies, or mindsets that prevent us, from, prevent us from surrendering to God's glory or perhaps blind us from seeing it? Um, I would say the ultimate thing is for our glory. That is what prevents us. And I would say that is the driving thing that prevents us is that I do live for my glory. Uh, glory feels really good. And, um, and, and we like it. We li like it when people recognize us. We like it when people see us. We like it when we feel beautiful. We like it when we feel strong. Um, and and why, do we, why do we like it is the reason why is because then people kind of give you that glory. And when they, when they say those words, we get like, oh, yes, this is, this, is, this is good. And then all of a sudden we start living for it like we live for a drug. You get addicted to it. You desire it. You want it. And then you get mad if somebody says otherwise. And um, so there's something inside us that does want to live for our, our glory. And, um, and Paul never did. He said, you know, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but I live specifically for Christ, saying that, yeah, you're looking at me and I'm changing the world, but I'm not. This, the God that's in me, look to him instead. And so I would just say the one answer to that question is, do you live for your glory or do you live for him? for his. And our glory prevents us from, prevents us from uh, um, stepping on his glory. And that's, you know, that's the one looking at. It's, it's his name. It's not, it's not ours. Thank you. I got another question? I do. Oh, oh excellent. I'll, I'll, I'll make them faster then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let me see. How do I want to phrase this? I didn't write it down. So what are some ways we can recognize a failure of that in our lives? Um, defensive attitude um, would be a way. Um, you can recognize it when you um, fear comes up. Uh, fear is a reaction to something. Um, and what is it a reaction to? Um, so in other words, when fear comes up, it's like, okay, I see it. Where is it coming from? And when you see it, where is it coming from? You can then even identify it and say, well, it's coming because, you know, we can come up with anything because um, the world is falling apart. It's coming because there's a virus and I could die. Um, how do I say this? 
there is a solution for everything. <laughs> I don't know if that's a radical. I can't just say the words. I'm see if it's right or not. But I would say there's a solution for everything. And I will tell you that life is a time of work and death is a time of rest and strength and peace. And the solution for everything is when we stand before the glory of God and say, oh my goodness, everything I went through actually had purpose. It actually had meaning. It actually had something that had value. It had something that I needed. And, and I thought it was so bad. But all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. So I can say there's a solution for everything. And it might not even be on the sides of this earth. But there is on the other side. But I'd also go as far as saying, I do think that Paul had the solution for everything inside of him. <laughs> Crushed, but not, but not persecuted, but not abandoned. Crushed, but not condemned. I mean, all these things that were on Paul, it's like, yeah, I, I've been shipwrecked. You know, I've been beaten, I've been torn in two, but oh, my spirit's still alive. We're going to talk about that when we talk about the, the believer's battle. If you look at all the equipment from the believer's battle, it's, it's, it's to do what? It's not to fight all the enemies on the outside. It's to fight all the enemies on the inside. And so anger, you know, what is anger? It's protecting the love. I get angry. Why? Because I'm trying to protect the love. Well, I can identify what love am I trying to protect. I could, you know, go bankrupt. The market is going down. Ah, and then all of a sudden get angry. Well, all of a sudden I'm protecting my money. You know, it's, it, and it's a revelation of my loves. So those would be the, the words. Again, that was a long answer. I'm trying to make them fast. Cool. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. You, you got Open one more. Mic. You said you had four. Open you mic. Two more. That was good. That was all. You're Happy done? Halloween. Well, we expect you, if nobody else asks a question, we'll expect to come back to you. Because okay. I give time today. <laughs> now, when you, when you speak of the last days, is that pre-tribulation? or, I mean, not uh, pre uh, yeah, pre-tribulation. So in other words, pre-tribulation is the rapture before the tribulation yeah, that takes place. Yeah, I just wondered yeah. if any of that would have to be whenever mm -hmm. we're still here. And it all depends. Days. It depends on where our theology is and, uh, and where we stand. And, um, um, but um, it can go with all of it. And what I mean by go with all of it is that there's birth pains. <laughs> you know, uh, the birth pains that take place. Well, birth pains are not tribulation pains. You know, in other words, the tribulation is going to get hor absolutely horrific, but these birth pains must take place that are outside the tribulation, and we all believe that the birth pains are going to take place. So even pre-tribulation, yes, they're going to take place, but, you know, where do I stand? You know, Pastor D will stand, you know, pre-trib. I go, I think, I think we're going to run to the hills, but, you know, I'm not going to try to convince you of that theology, you know, right now, and I'm not going to go through the seven years because I would not go through the abomination of desolation that's going to take place with, with God bringing his wrath down, but um, I, you know, yeah, it's just where you stand. I believe that we might have to take a bullet for our salvation. That's <laughs> just me. <laughs> and uh, could be wrong, maybe in the birth pains, or maybe it'll even get, it'll get worse. You know, we'll see, we'll see what's going to take place. It's just, there's so many things happening right now that is, you know, we're already, we're already going through it. And, uh, and uh, so, but birth pains, that will, that will cover all. <laughs> that will answer all uh, corners of the area. So, any other questions? Lydia, we're going to come back to you. <laughs> When it comes to um, the tribulation, or I'll say even birth pains, um, it's really important to be in the Bible. It's really important to say, God, your will be done, not my will, because we're going to go, you know, it's going to happen. Now, um, as, as it's going to happen, we could say, well, it's not going to be my lifetime. Good. You don't have to worry about it. You know, that's, you know, um, that's, that's all right. But... Is it going to happen in our lifetime? You know, it, it might happen in our lifetime, and that's why it's so important for a church to be in the Bible. Um, Peter um, um, heard Jesus' sermons, and, and one sermon that he consistently heard of, or one conversation that he always heard, is that Jesus was going to die. He was going to go to the cross. That's, that's exactly what was going to take place. 
Well, then all of a sudden the soldiers then came to the Garden of Gethsemane. When the soldiers came to the Garden of Gethsemane, what's gonna, what happened? <laughs> Peter says, my Jesus isn't going to die. And he pulled out a knife, pulled out a sword, and he was going to do. He's going to fight the whole army to make sure that his Jesus did not die. And all of a sudden, he, Jesus did what? <laughs> Peter, knock it off. I said that these things, these things must happen. And so what happens is you're, you're looking at the will of God because there is this will where God's name is going to be exalted through the cross. And also the entire book of Revelation is his name is going to be exalted through all this. So as you're looking at the battles and you're looking at what needs to be fought, it's like, well, okay, give me all the areas I can fight. Tell me all the areas I can do. Um, um, do I go shoot people? You know, and do, I, do I not go shoot people? How do I, what do I do? And I'll tell you, these are questions that consistently come up in my mind because as you're leading the church, I'm going to say, what do you do in times of, of, of tribulation? And as of right now, you know, my anchor is strength is what's needed. And, um, and what I mean by strength is you can hang on to the rock of God that would literally say, this will take place before I come. Now, if you don't believe it's going to be your lifetime, that's, that's great. We don't, have to, we don't have to worry about it. But if you say the words, I can't wait till Jesus comes, you're literally saying the words that, I can't wait till there's a one world government. <laughs> you're saying the same thing. And, and, and when you look at the... When you look at the, um, the apostles, you look back and say, boy, you know what? I wish I was there to be able to see Jesus face to face. I wish I was there to be able to see um, Paul preach a sermon, and Jesus do a healing. I wish I was there. Um, we aspire to be there. They're all martyred. They're all martyred. And so sometimes it's like, I can't wait till Jesus come. Hopefully he comes in my life. Well, it could get ugly. But they had that strength that is there. Rich, you want to bring the, the microphone up? He had that strength that is, that is there. So, so, yeah, it's just this observation, watch, look, ready to react, how to react, those kind of things. With everything that's going on in the world in the United States today, with all of the liberal agenda, mm -hmm. uh, it's so easy to get angry mm -hmm. rather than go to your knees, and that's where I'm yeah. lacking it's yeah. so easy to get angry. That's absolutely right. It is easy to get angry. And I will say that anger is a protection of a love. Okay, so you look at abortion that takes place. Um, anger is a protection of that love. I do not want this to happen. But God's anger is different than our anger, and our anger should be more consistent to God's anger. So in other words, God doesn't react to his anger. God consumes his anger and his wrath builds and he is the judge that's one day going to take care of all of it. Well, we're here seeing this and as we're here seeing this, you know, our anger is going to rise, but our anger is supposed to break us to the point of saying, God, thank you for being on your throne. God, justice is going to take place. Justice is going to happen. I thank you for justice being able to happen. Um, if it happens in your coming, because it is going to happen in your coming, and I'm here, help me to be strong enough to, you know, mentally capable of, of surviving it. So I'd say that anger is, is okay. I mean, just in the sense that you're defending a love, but think of God's anger, how he consumed his love, or consumed this anger, and then brought it right down to his knees. And then he went right down to his knees, he then went to the cross, and then God's anger did what? <laughs> which we're going to talk about in salvation, lashed out on him at the, at, at the cross as he paid for all of our sins. And then you see God, Jesus, just, just take it. And, um, and, and when we look at those, we can go, oh my goodness, God, I, I, can't, I can't believe how you do it. I can't. You know, I struggle doing that kind of stuff. I don't know how to do it, but God, make me strong enough to be able to do it. Those kind of pieces of it. Good, good questions and, and uh, good comments as well. It's, it's, it's tough. How do we react? How do we respond? What do we do? You know, um, being anchored into that rock of salvation is, is where we need to do, and then we need to move when we can and work when we can, vote when we can. You know, I mean, yes, be active. I mean, be more active than anybody else. And uh, the activity is, is um, on our knees. Um, the other activity is, the schools are struggling. 
I mean, there is a mass exodus of Christian teachers that are leaving the schools. And, uh, and this is all, I mean, I mentioned, I got a couple minutes. This is all orchestrated beyond a human mind, in my opinion. <laughs> I could be wrong, but it's, it's just orchestrated where, you know, you are getting all the Christian teachers that, that are, living, that are leaving and even the, the school really, really struggling, you know, as of right now with all the liberalism, you know, coming inside. And, um, and, and kids are messed up in regards to the genders. They're changing their names rapidly, constantly. In fact, there's kids that are, uh, teachers are going, I don't even know the kids' names anymore. Why? Because you can just change your name. You know, if you want to be a boy, you can be a girl. You, know, you, can, just, you can just do all that. And, uh, and there's so much confusion um, that has is, that is taken place. And so what can we do? I mean, you know, get on school boards, <laughs> you know. Uh, I mean, go after our schools, love our schools. Um, it's hard to look at a Christian teacher and say, stay. <laughs> and the reason why is because they're on the front line. It's hard to look at a, a Christian student and say, you know, they need Christians in schools because, because when a child goes to the front line, we lose them. They die. I mean, that's what happens on the front line. And so I never encourage somebody, you know, put your kids on the front line. I mean, it's, it's the scariness that has taken place, but the orchestration of the events are our children are going to turn against us father against son, son against father, mother against child. Our war is going to be our generation that's behind us. I mean, that's, 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 that's our war. And it's a, it's a what do you do? <laughs> that's where the voting is all coming in at, is that, um, that um, Satan, I'm just going to say Satan, has found the weak and is educating the weak. And in that process, that generation is going to continue to put it in. Generations that come are going to continue to put it in. And... Um, and how do we go to war with it? Maybe it's the end times. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's tough. Very, very tough. So, all right, I'll stop talking. But there's a lot to talk about as we live in this, this, this crazy world that we do, that we do live in. Um, but the goal is, is am I going to proclaim God's holy name? Because that's all the world needs to see. To my children, to my neighbors, to my friends. Are we as a church going to proclaim his holy name that we stand on this absolute rock that is higher than the world? Because if tough times, as tough time happens, more people are going to be walking through the doors of the church to see if we are standing on something that they're not. And I think that's what's going to take place. All right, I'll stop talking. Thanks for your questions.